0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the RegTech Report, your update on all things RegTech. My name is Carl Viertel, and with me is Stefan Celestial. Our mission is to bring you the latest news, speak with industry pioneers, and news about the latest tech. Hi, and welcome back. It is uh, episode 22 of the RegTech Report. Um, and uh, joining me today uh, remotely is Stefan. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Carl. Greetings. Uh... To the office from my home office (laughs) here.
0: And with me today, uh, I think the first time back in the uh, after times is Bailey. Hey, Bailey. Hi, nice to be back. (laughs) Um, So we've got a cool episode today. Um, So first of all, our friends from Shield or uh, Shield FC, so the Shield Football Club, I'm assuming, um, (laughs) got back to us. They're doing a really cool project um, called uh, ComplianceEvolution.com, a little mini site. Uh, Go and check it out. Um, uh, They are asking their friends, people in their networks, um, uh, what uh, sort of the future of RegTech and compliance looks like. And so, of course, uh, uh, we wanted to be part of that. So um, our podcast is, so to speak, this episode is uh, our contribution to that. And uh, we'll also be looking at some contact tracing apps. And, of course, uh, we've got a, a cool top three uh, to close out the episode. Um Uh, But first and foremost, um, uh, compliance evolution, sort of our top seven things um, that we think are going to be different going forward, sort of in the world of regulation and uh, compliance. And uh, I mean, Stefan, maybe you want to kick us off. What's sort of your the first thing that you think is going to be fundamentally different?
1: Sure. And um, uh, I mean, overall, we, the way we, we thought about this is really like, okay, this, this crisis is resolved and people now are looking back, okay, what, what have we learned from this? Um, and one thing I think is also a confirmation of what we've been saying for, for a while is um, that automation is, uh, is a big topic. Um, that yeah. um, will uh, also in, in, in terms of resilience be be uh, more important because basically um, this is one way to to scale and also be able to to react to situations where maybe your personnel is not as um, as reachable as they normally are
0: agreed oh, absolutely um I guess uh, my sort of second big topic is um, cloud right mm-hmm. Now, uh, there is just no way that in uh, sort of resolving this uh, or after we've sort of uh, moved past this crisis that anyone is going to look back and said, yep, you know what, on-prem, excellent idea. Um, This is exactly how I want to operate going forward. It's great for a mobile or remote workforce. I mean, let's face it, a lot of companies are not going to go back to a a sort of five days a week office setting. It's just not going to happen. And as such, uh, having stuff in your basement just loses all meaning.
1: Yeah, that will be a tough sell you know, to um, to say then in the future, okay, yeah, I have something that you have to re- operate this on your hardware. And uh, because it's it's run in this way, you put it behind firewalls and everything, and you need VPNs to access. I think people are noticing all the limitations uh, of that when uh, working in a, in a remote fashion, as they
0: all have to know. You're number three.
1: My number three is, um, I think overall, the supply chain or the service chain uh, in something um, uh, both in in risk tools, but maybe overall uh, in in operations, uh, looking at not just your own organization, but where are you relying on vendors and third parties? uh, I think um, um, some uh, organizations have very painfully noticed that maybe stuff that seemed not important um, suddenly is at the forefront.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, we were just talking to uh, some of our friends in, uh, in an insurance company where mm. just trivial things like uh, they not every uh, one of their employees has a laptop or a mobile machine. And so uh, procuring new laptops to enable a virtual workforce mm. is now on the critical path, yeah. right? So, you know, who would have think that uh, thought that a Lenovo or an HP notebook all of a sudden is on the critical path for your entire operation?
1: Yeah, and also lots of little things, even in like, normal private life yeah, people took for granted and then notice you know these simple things like that the that the supermarket is
0: open and all that kind of stuff that's the normal stuff i was just going to say if you were going to say toilet paper i would have hung up on this yeah no no i I
1: didn't (laughs) want to mention it but uh, i actually had a conversation the other day about somebody who had this uh, i forgot about which country but where it was even difficult i don't know to get eggs or something like that for a couple weeks (laughs) so uh, yeah and oh, some look, things next... when you when you order stuff sometimes now it it takes like a month to get delivered from China. Well, we all took these things for granted. Agreed.
0: Look, my next point is um, uh, sustainability. Um, we're seeing, for example, uh, in France, like uh, every uh, big uh, company that received a government bailout is uh, receiving that on the. Uh, uh, basically with strict requirements to uh, manage or increase their sustainability, reduce their carbon footprint, um, manage sustainability risks. And, you know, even pre-COVID, we saw a lot of these trends of more structured sustainability risk management um, being required, especially from financial institutions uh, in their investments. And uh, I think that that trend has been amplified. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, this will be a big new dimension of compliance, uh, a big new dimension of regulation as a a consequence of that. And I think that there's a, a big need for some smart thinking into making that measurable, making it transparent, making it actionable, um, and uh, well, also altering behaviors. So Mm -hmm. I think, uh, sustainability risk, and, you know, just the, uh, and just the, what immediately comes to mind are all those satellite pictures of, you know, the air pollution over the yeah. cities that shut down. I mean, it's uh, it's it's going to be a new way we look at it.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people see um, a lot of parallels of the current crisis maybe to the overall um, overall envirom- environmental crisis. Huh? But this is, yeah. uh, of course, on a much slower, longer-term scale. But you have a lot of different things like also this whole pre- prevention paradox thing or uh, a bunch of people not believing in, like, expert... Um, assessments um, and uh, then putting the priorities on the wrong uh, on the wrong areas um, and like externalities or that all that same things so um, i think that's that actually creates more awareness for the topic
0: and i see that in discussions all the time i agreed your next point
1: um, so, uh, one of our favorite terms, uh, has been this operational resilience, <laughs> right? Uh, so, I mean, yeah. this is a prime example of uh, right now where everybody, uh, or even people who never had anything to do with this topic now are very acutely aware, um, that, um, uh, basically, um failing to plan is planning to fail uh, and um, making uh, oh, sure that it... you, you little
0: fortune cookie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: and uh, basically uh, taking a look at, okay, what is actually my stance? Uh, have I considered scenarios, risks, what kind of measures do I have in place and actually testing them? That no, is a big topic. No, huh?
0: Couldn't agree more. Um, I think uh, my next point actually uh, kind of um, adds to that in a very similar fashion mm-hmm. in the sense that um, compliance processes can't stop even when your organization stops right so um a typical example here is uh you know trade compliance if your traders are working at home right i mean the process has to continue you need to find uh new ways of making that uh that work but there is no pause button for compliance processes quite frankly so um i think sort of finding resilience in your compliance and risk processes is uh one specific aspect of operational resilience but i think it's it stands on it on its own as a a challenge and also a new a new way of going forward.
1: Yeah, what I find interesting about the whole thing is again an awareness thing. Yeah? Because um in the last years, when you talk to uh, people, often they see compliances. You know, it stands on its own. They don't really look at the reasons behind and often complain about it. But uh, a lot of things we also see right now in in the overall situation is there are measures introduced like lockdowns and so on, you know, mandatory masks and, and public transport, and these are uh, also. You know, it has a compliance aspect because it's, of course, uh, enforced. Um, But also now I think people, because the, the, the timelines and the immediate effects are much closer to to see, Okay, a certain measure. That requires compliance has a um, has a reason behind it, huh? uh, and to keep that in mind, also for something that's very abstract, I don't know, some banking regulation, they are not <laughs> uh, they are not being done yeah. just you know out of because somebody is bored and they have nothing else to do. There is some reason why behind it, and to keep that in mind is uh, is uh, important for the context.
0: Yep, fully agree. Um, yeah, your next uh, your next hypothesis.
1: Yeah um so I think what we've all seen and uh, we're doing it right now uh, we're not sitting in the same recording studio right now this whole collaboration communication way in a, in a in a much more remote way than uh, people are used to is um something I think will definitely stay in certain ways because um uh, I mean, We are kind of used to it with our um, spread out teams, but um, a lot of companies who maybe did it only for um, for smaller groups kind of notice, okay, this actually works in a lot of ways. So, so um, this is something that um, will be the new normal for us already. I and uh, we have to adapt also, of course, in our risk and um,
0: security stance towards that. I agree. So, I mean, I guess uh, collaboration, communication and uh, adapting to a new style, adapting your control framework to a new style of work um, is absolutely huge. Now, If I didn't lose count, I think those are actually seven points that we addressed. I'm sure that Bailey in post-editing, if she realizes it's only six, this will be a little bit embarrassing. But I hope that our good friends from S.H.I.E.L.D. um, uh, will uh, enjoy our our musings here on our seven predictions, (laughs) sort of on the future of compliance. And uh, everyone, uh, go and check out complianceevolution.com, all one word. Um, and uh, see some uh, pretty cool thinking by some of our friends in the RegTech space on uh, their predictions and their hypotheses for, uh, well, the future of compliance. And uh, with that, um, our uh, second topic for today. Um, And uh, this is uh, uh, something that is obviously a a super hype topic at the moment, um, but uh, Stefan, you had some uh, really cool observations as to why these contact tracing apps, so these applications that a lot of the governments are developing or having developed that allow you to basically um, track your movement and yeah. your in relation to other people. Um, and then in the case of one person being identified as infected, you can then essentially mark yourself as infected and all other people will be notified who are in your proximity Um, in order to basically trace back and avoid the spread or enable more targeted testing. And Stefan, you had some really uh, interesting parallels to uh, essentially compliance.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, maybe to take a a little step back, I mean, contact tracing is, uh, I guess, a, a... something that uh, has been done quite a while and for any kind of uh, epidemic situations and it's actually not about uh, so much about the movement' it's about the and uh, the, the distinction between what is tracking or what is tracing is really um, finding out where um, where have there been contacts and movement is actually not that relevant um, to that situation uh, mm-hmm. um, so uh, I think that's that's something that though now in the 21st century that is new you have all these mobile devices all these um, apps people are used to to leverage is just kind of new technology um, in order to to be able to um, um, to actually um, um, facilitate that kind of function you know? uh, and in the end also what this lives from uh, when the, where there's a big challenge a lot of discussions is that um, it uh, relies on participation yeah, unless we are in some kind of authoritarian state which there are some out there where you can just force it on people and everybody just uh, you know it's uh, uh, apple google install this um, automatically um, um, which nobody wants i think in in uh, in the uh, free societies let's say um, you have to con- kind of convince that uh, people to to take part in it and i from 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 that aspect i think i, I see a lot of to something like compliance controls because in the end, even though maybe it's mandatory and uh, rules you put in place, in the end, it's still people's decisions and behavior um, yep. that you kind of want to influence and if you have something that like it's totally in the way of the normal lives of the normal business um, then they will, they will find ways to circumvent it or, or not not participate in it uh, and I mean the
0: way. same the same thing is true for uh, uh, for enterprise controls yeah. right if you have a majority that are not observing them that don't choose to act in a way that is compliant with the controls and follow the controls yeah. they're meaningless yeah, yeah. yeah. and right? then what because what the can you do you can,
1: math. you can you can take out the whip and, and uh, do like um, negative consequences. Uh, but uh, uh, one way to think about it is also how can you positively incentivize this? Uh, uh, because this is usually also a, a better way, let's say, or a fairer way also to influence behaviors.
0: I mean, there's, a, there's an obvious massive concern of... Uh, of essentially governments uh, uh, or i mean that is the fear right yeah. is uh, governments obviously uh, tracing your movements or tracing your contacts um, how how realistic or how apt do you think that fear is?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's this concern also of, like, uh, you can't really put the genie back in the bottle uh, if you already yep. took it out. And even even though there's a certain there's a certain reason that everybody understands a lot of people's support right now, how uh, how can you prevent a kind of um, um, misuse in the future of an infrastructure that's already put in place? Uh, and I think that's a valid, very valid concern. And I think a lot of this discussions we had are, even though it slowed down the process a bit, um, we're good well, for example there was seen in europe and especially in germany was a big discussion whether this tracing data should be centrally kept or decentrally on the devices um which basically the decentral side one yeah um but this gives also um let's say more confidence for people to say okay look um i can i control and this is the the primary um, um paradigm of any kind of privacy right that you you control uh, the stuff about yourself you it's totally okay yeah. if you say i'm absolutely willing to share that data and there's as an app out where you can share like um, from uh, health trackers the data to for the scientific research uh, if you uh, if you're okay with that it, it's fine huh? um, but if you um, if it's forced on you um, uh, even though there might be legitimate and uh, and um, Moral reasons to do it. Um, who who who's saying that? Uh, um, uh, I don't know. Next year, when when there's some other political uh, constellation uh, that's still being used in this way.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe I can play devil's advocate yeah. at this point, right? So, unfortunately, the reality of it is is that um, the response to the pandemic is deeply political, right? Yeah. And there's a deep political divide across just about every country, apart from countries where. The uh, political opinion is defined <laughs> centrally. Yep. Um, and so le- now let's say um, the people that would be in support of the application, install the app and share their data are the people that would actually comply with the other controls put in place, such as wearing masks, such as social distancing, such as avoiding crowds and all the rest of it. And the people that wouldn't install the app uh, because they uh, how are on just a different political opinion of it, um, would also be the people that are are um, uh, or, or, uh, deviating from the controls and therefore are more likely to become infected. Yep. So let's say from a devil's advocate perspective, if I'm a compliant and good citizen, so to speak, and I'm sharing my uh, data, then I'm sharing my data, but I'm actually not getting anything in return because the people who are most at risk of spreading the disease aren't on the app.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this is the, uh, the situation you have for a lot of these kind of, uh, macro controls, right? And, uh, in the end, it's not, um, um, of course, there's an egoistical way to look about it, but uh, uh, also a whole society or a whole group way. Where, where if you have a certain percentage of people participating in something like this, it's 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 for the greater good. And then um, by um, basically now we're drifting into philosophy, I guess. Yeah, uh, by uh, the <laughs> the overall situation being improved, you also get the benefit of that situation, right? And I heard the statistics for the app, for example, um, something like 60 percent. Uh, would be a good threshold. But that's a big challenge, actually, because if you look at app statistics, I think WhatsApp is number one in Germany, uh, which um, I think from the latest um, statistics is somewhere around 60% now, but it's for sure not, even though in our bubble, we would think that's something, you know, everybody has that. Not true. Uh, it's um, maybe a I bit more than half.
0: I don't think that 60% of the people are able to install an app on their smartphone, Smartphone, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah,
1: so and this is... Uh, this is uh, this is always a challenge huh? but um Let's see how it it develops. And uh, I think the way, um, even though some of the developments I've seen are uh, sometimes even a bit funny, you know, like with big corporations being getting the the development order where you think, ah, now they need like two years to finish it. Uh, Or I heard in Australia they launched uh, their app uh, without actually the tracing working correctly in the beginning. Um, But um, now I see also there's like a GitHub repository for, for the uh, German app code. And it's quite transparent how they do it. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to to observe. Hey, hey. Oh, yeah. top
0: three, two,
1: three, two, three, two, three, three, <laughs> three.
0: It's the top three. And with that, let's do today's top three. Now, uh, full disclosure, it is a little bit of a different top three, because usually Stefan and I um, actually share our top three beforehand and make sure that we don't have the same ones, (laughs) uh, which we obviously didn't manage to do today because it was just absolutely mental. So it's going to be a bit of an experiment and uh, just uh, see it as um, us being completely aligned if we actually do end up having um, uh, some parallel ones. So today's top three are going to be about all the small things you realized you missed now that things are reopening after the shutdown. (laughs) Uh, And actually, uh, because we have Bailey, uh, Bailey, did you did you notice anything that you actually really missed now that you've uh, sort of a small pleasure now that you're uh, we're reopening? Um, I think the biggest thing
1: that I've missed is actually going to gym and not Using wine bottles in my lounge to do
0: (laughs) arm workouts. (laughs) But I hear that's opening soon, so I'm quite excited. Oh, arm workouts is what we're calling that. All right. (laughs) I'll go for it. It's one way of (laughs) Stefan, what's uh, your number three of things, tiny things that you realize you missed? Yeah, I mean, now that restaurants and so on are
1: opening again, I think, I mean, that's something I always liked. And I would say also slash beer gardens, which is very important here for the Bavarian and Munich Seoul. Um, so, I uh, knew you would
0: say that, which is why I also didn't pick that.
1: This is, um, um, I think, quite interesting the way they are, they're organizing this right now. Um, but uh, it seems to be working. Yeah. And um, I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah for me it's uh i'd say probably the uh local mountains in and around munich um uh there you know obviously some beautiful little foothills in front of the alps that are uh not far away and so uh i have two kids two small kids and you know you, you need to get them out of the house and so you know oftentimes i love going uh you know hiking and you know, the real high alpine areas of Austria, Switzerland or Italy or whatever. And, uh, you know, honestly, I've really enjoyed the little 300 meters of elevation in the foothills. Uh, uh, I, you know, a really small pleasure. And I sort of uh, rediscovered those for myself. Yeah. Uh, your number two.
1: So my number two is, uh, I guess, even somewhat related to the number one, because if you've been going to the beer garden and drinking... Um, then, uh, it's actually nice that, uh, public, uh, transport, I mean, it never stopped. Right. Uh, but I, I, have not been using public transport for like two, two months or so. Um, and now I've, I've tried it a couple of times and it actually works. I mean, people do have all the mass and everything and it's not super full, cool, but it's a good invention and it works if you're in an urban area.
0: Yeah. For me, my number two is, uh, Hütten. So for anyone who doesn't speak German, um, the well, I guess Bavarian and, uh, well, Austrian, Swiss, Italian, Alps have this very civilized aspect of building little cabins at the tops of uh, or close to the peaks of mountains that are usually beautifully situated and um, uh, also serve uh, some beautiful rustic food and most importantly, of course, beer. And uh, so when I was going hiking sort of during the shutdown, obviously you'd walk up and everything would be empty in... uh, Uh, It would be a bit anticlimactic reaching the top. Yes, there's a nice view and all, but uh, no beer. And uh, so now the last two weeks, I think, when we were hiking, uh, we were able to uh, at least uh, sit on a bench outside, Grab a beer, grab a drink, uh, and uh, just enjoy the view with uh, some excellent beer. So um, Yeah, what, what opens... I noticed
1: also on, uh, while hiking, which was the funniest thing on one of these little um, mountain lodges, was there, somebody had a disinfectant bottle there, and then you used it on your hands, and it smelled like schnapps.
0: <laughs> I think we created it out of uh, some
1: uh, some obsla. <laughs>
0: who who established that it was disinfected and not just free well, It uh, Definitely
1: had a more intense smell, but it had also this fruity aspect
0: about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number one tiny pleasure that you have realized you actually uh, missed?
1: Yeah, I put this under the heading of just people in general. You know, I, I sometimes enjoy being like uh, you know here cooped up and. Uh, doing my little lounge on the terrace and but uh, i do actually yeah, also enjoy. Just for our
0: listeners the little lounge has uh, <laughs> has gotten a little bit out of hand so at one point uh, we all joined stefan for a uh, conference call which he actually did in his pop-up jacuzzi that he put on his terrace <laughs> so just full disclosure here
1: yeah i had to demonstrate my new gadgets <laughs>
0: Sorry, I interrupted you, Stefan. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: no, no problem. No, I mean, in general, it's uh, it's nice to have these people interactions. And even though you know, sometimes I have my introverted side, and I also enjoy being like here, you know, just here by myself. But uh, this is definitely something uh, I notice also now that um, I'm meeting some more some more people than before. Is that uh, yeah, this is a important part of life, huh? and also in, in, in terms of business interactions, for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, my uh, one single pleasure that, or number one single pleasure that I didn't realize I missed. um, So I was uh, fulfilling all the cliches of a uh, founder and I went golfing on Sunday. No, Monday. It was a public holiday. And uh, so I was golfing with a friend and there was a single airplane that passed overhead forming a contrail. And we actually stopped playing and just watched the plane pass over because Mm -hmm. it was such a unique sight. So Mm -hmm. uh, seeing a single contrail and, of course, all of the... uh, uh, Emotions, I guess, uh, that you combine with uh, traveling to foreign places and uh, uh, business travel and and uh, interacting with others and uh, exploring new things. Uh, I guess that sort of uh, brought it all back by that one single contrail that, you know, of course, you don't see now because it's just all uh, clear skies. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, and I guess they're bringing back the chemtrail program, the mind control
0: chemtrail program. See, I knew when when I wrote that top uh top one, I knew that uh you were going to uh say that. So
1: yeah, you know how to do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, with that conspiracy theory. Oh, also, I have an excellent um, non-conspiracy theory related podcast tip for you. So um, uh, Wind of Change by uh, Patrick Radden Keefe, um, a uh, writer for The New Yorker, investigates, did the CIA write Wind of Change? Have you mm-hmm. listened to it yet, Stefan?
1: No, no, not yet.
0: Yeah. It is awesome. <laughs> Let
1: me check that I put it into my podcast catcher.
0: So uh, with, that, um, with that tip for all of you, thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to being back soon. Thanks for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter. Follow our dedicated podcast handle, at Rep. Make sure to rate this podcast and send your thoughts and comments to Report at Align.com. Once again, that's Report at you can also follow Align on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, or catch up on our podcasts on Align.com slash the RegTech Report.